0: Hi, and welcome to the x Recruitment Podcast, where we share career advice for service leavers and veterans. I'm Rosie Vilecce, and I'm the Head of Marketing here at x Recruitment. Although I didn't serve myself, I'm an original military brat. My dad served in the Navy for 40 years, and my brother is on year 26 and counting. Throughout this podcast, I will be your hostess. I will interview guests, chat with the XMIL team, and facilitate conversations that help veterans like you to get the jobs they truly want. Here's today's episode. Welcome everyone to a new episode of x XMIL Recruitment Podcast. I am here today with Trish Mullen, who is a career consultant showing you how to present the best version of yourself. Hi Trish, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well, Rosie, and thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. It's it's my absolute pleasure to be here because I am a big fan of XML recruitment and especially, you know, Ben and, and Daniel and the people that work there. So I'm more than happy to be here. Thank you.
0: Thanks to you. I'm really excited about our conversation. We were having a little <clears throat> bit of a chat before we got started with the recording. And I love your energy. So I just can't wait to get started. And I think a great starting point is actually a little bit about yourself and your story. So you're a military veteran. Let's start there. Tell us a little bit more about it.
1: Yes, I'm a military veteran. I spent 22 years in military intelligence, signals intelligence, and spent time in Cyprus, in Germany, in the UK. And the majority of my career was spent in Northern Ireland back in the day when it wasn't as nice a place yeah. as it is now. So I then stayed. My husband and I just decided he's a veteran too. We we loved living in Northern Ireland, so we stayed here ever since. But, yeah, I had a wonderful career. I loved my military career, but I knew it was time to go. Yeah. I've always felt that, Rosie, you know, when the time is up to move yeah. on. You need to move on. And I've always done that. So after I left the military, I then worked in social work for four years, Mm -hmm. but left there because, and I say this to military people, if you don't position yourself at the right level in a company, there's nothing more frustrating or the biggest stressor is that when you don't have that ability to make decisions and your whole life has been about making decisions. But, mm. you know, in intelligence, it's about making decisions very fast. And when that, pe- that rug has been pulled out from under you, my choice entirely, then I knew that I couldn't stay there. And because I knew what decisions needed to be made in the social work area, and it just wasn't happening. So I moved on. What did I do after that? I worked for a recruitment agency. Right. And started getting all these different jobs. And these employers were saying, Trish, you're amazing. And I'm thinking, I'm not. And do you know what it was? It was because I could answer a telephone. Yeah. I could get a gist of what the message was and whether or not that employer was to ring them back and Mm -hmm. and what what was next. So anyway, um, I got headhunted through one of these companies that I was working with and went there. But again, my values, I didn't like the way the company was run. I didn't like how people were treated. And I'm a very, very values-driven person. Yeah. I will never, ever compromise on my values, and my values made me move on. And that led me to career guidance. Mm-hmm. I've just right my wee dog there but clapping my hands. And um, That led me to career guidance, and that's what I've been for the last 20 years. I was one of the regional managers Of the career transition partnership, and I covered Scotland and Northern Ireland. Yeah, wow, that's a full career.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I've I've had a ball. Yeah, and tell us a little bit more about what you do right now. Do you work specifically just with veterans? Like, how do you best support them?
1: I don't work specifically with veterans um and but the majority of my work over yeah. the last two years since I retired really has been with veterans mm-hmm. because I suppose, like most people, that's my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, my knowledge and expertise around everything to do with job search is my comfort zone. I absolutely love it. Yeah. But I have during those two years worked a lot with graduates. I've also partnered someone and we've built a leadership academy for pharmacists. Yeah. So that's what I'm working on as well right now. Yeah. Working and supporting pharmacists through that leadership journey. You're the definition
0: of uh, being entrepreneurial
1: as a person. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to be, it's not that I don't want to not be associated with just veterans, but that is a part of the group that I can help but I am moving away from that now yeah. quite substantially. Yeah. Let's go back in time and let's talk
0: a little bit about how it was for you to live your career, right? What happened? How did you transition out
1: of the military? How, you know, how was it for you? What was good? What was bad? I transitioned very well, but that's because I've always been a go-getter, an action-taker. I've never been someone that sits there and waits for someone to tell them what to do, Rosie. A lot of military people, not a lot, but some military people, because that's the military culture, it tells people what to wear, where to go, when to be there, how to behave when they get there. And it kind of strips people's confidence in their own abilities to make decisions. I never got that stripped away. From a very young age, um, someone recognised something in me in my very first posting, which was to Cyprus. Mm-hmm. This, um, I was a Lance Corporal, and this warrant officer recognised something in me I didn't recognise in myself. Mm-hmm. So he started to teach me to do this specific job that would normally be done by someone four, three ranks above, by a staff sergeant. Right. And I just loved it because it was really... I'm very curious. I love mm-hmm. to ask questions. And that really allowed me to do that, to, to really dig deep and, and find things out and look for patterns and look for trends. Yeah. So that was my forte. And I've always remembered him for that. And I've never not paid it forward in that respect. As soon as I got to the next rank up, which was a corporal, I was helping lands corporals and private soldiers develop themselves I wasn't yeah. doing anything for them but again going back to what I said about empowering and instilling yeah. confidence that's that must have always been inside me and that's what I do now to a large extent in LinkedIn especially yeah it's this paying it forward always but you know that comes we were talking before the podcast about things coming at a cost that comes at a cost because it gets to a point where some people demand that yeah. I do things for them and, and they don't want to pay, even although my um, rate's the lowest of any, mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. consultant ever for military. They don't want to pay. So I, I need to get away from that all altogether. And I've got a business coach now and, and she's been amazing and she's said, you know, you need to rethink all of this. Yeah. I don't really want a full-time business. I don't mm-hmm. I value my time too much, Rosie. Yeah. I love to go out walking the dog. I like to, the time to call it my Bit own of freedom. Yeah, yeah, but I do still like to learn, and I do have far too much knowledge and experience and understanding to not share it with others. So I'll always do that to some extent. Yeah. So let's talk then
0: directly to the go-getters out there that are just like you, that entrepreneurial spirit, what can they expect or what can they do to really transition as well as you did and find themselves with an advantage compared to everybody else who might be maybe be uncertain or unsure about what to do?
1: Yeah, I see it all the time on LinkedIn. I can see immediately. I delivered the LinkedIn masterclasses every month for the last two years. Yeah. And I knew within a week, of that masterclass who the go-getters were. They stand out a mile, and they're a very, very small percentage of military people. And I suppose it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the culture and how it develops people. They are a bit unsure. Mm. They're a bit underconfident, and I totally understand that. But there's others who were and are, I suppose, like me, who will not see an obstacle in front, But we'll see a real challenge and an opportunity Mm -hmm. to go over that obstacle or get round it, circumvent it somehow. Yeah. I see it all the time and it's fascinating to watch. Yeah. Fascinating. Others that are less sure, they just need a bit of confidence building. They just need someone to sit down with them, Rosie, and to say, listen, talk me through what you did at work last week. Let's start Monday morning. You got up. What did you do as soon as you got up? And then I get them to start going through their week. And then I'm feeding it back to them. Oh, that sounds like, you know, what you you did there was um, you challenged the status quo. You know, you you had an idea, you wanted to propose this idea. People were resistant. So there's a bit of change management around that as well. And they go, oh. So it's starting to help them identify who they are under the uniform because I've always believed Every single person in this world has a place in this world. Yeah. And unfortunately, the education system fails young people because mm-hmm. it doesn't recognize that we, entrepreneurs sitting in the corner, that we, creative person with their head going round yeah, and round yeah, yeah. and round, yeah. can't understand maths, can't understand English, but has got great ideas how you can do it smarter. Yeah. But nobody wants to listen. So I'm a great believer within each of us, Mm -hmm. there's something, and it just needs somebody like me to help unpick and help people identify who they are. Because the military brands people, it tells them you're a sergeant, you're in the Navy, you're a chief petty officer, you're in the Navy. This is what you are. It's very structured. There's
0: a lot of organisation. There's a lot of putting in
1: boxes. That's what you're saying. Yeah, But it's not who they are because that petty officer is not the same as another petty officer. It's not the same as another petty officer. They're all very unique. And when I used to deliver the workshops, I used to deliver three-day workshops in CTP. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing I would say to them is, right, Every one of you in this room is an actor. Yeah. You're wearing a costume and that costume is that uniform. Some of you have a big shield up in front of you and that's your rank. And you hold that shield up and people do things for you. You hold that shield up and it protects you. But that's not who you are. So let's put the shields down right now because rank means nothing. Yeah. Let's start peeling you out of that uniform Mm -hmm. and start to see who this real person is underneath. And one thing I used mainly on one-to-ones, I would say to someone, talk me through the last time you had a fantastic day at work. Right. Now, it might have been yesterday. It might have been five years ago. It might have been 10 years ago. But just cast your mind back and talk me through that day. And what I find almost every single time, it's having autonomy, having been consulted as a bit of an SME, a subject matter expert. It's about being able to share their experience in, in coaching, mentor, yeah. less experienced colleagues. All of that is yeah. what floats the boat of most military people. Yeah.
0: You talked about empowering mindset, confidence. Let's go a bit deeper here. So, if there is somebody that is listening out there and maybe they just left their service levers, they're thinking, okay, yeah, I'm not so sure. What am I going to do in my civilian life? Right? How do I cope with that? If they are struggling a bit with that confidence, what would be, let's say, three tips that you would give them to just boost a bit that confidence? You clearly talked already about. Don't see yourself, you're not your uniform. So don't see yourself as just that person, that soldier, whoever it is that they put you in a box, right? But what else would
1: you say to them? What are three tips that you would give them? The first tip is do not follow the herd. Don't be a sheep. Mm -hmm. That's what a lot of them are doing. Oh, my mate went into this role, my mate went into that role. So that's tip number one. Tip number two is you will never, ever get an opportunity like this again from any employer where you have 12 months at least to prepare Mm -hmm. yourself. This is aside from the medical discharge, and I'll cut from those ones in a second. You will never get this time from any employer or the financial support that you get from any employer. It won't happen. So really make the best use of it as possible. Yeah. And number three, resettlement can be a minefield because everybody's telling you all these different things. So what I would say is take a deep breath, take a step back, and that quote from the boy, the fox, the horse, and the mole, which I love when the boy and the horse are in the forest and the boy's lost and he says to the horse, I just cannot see a way out. And the horse says, can you see your next step? And the boy said, yes, well, take it, said the horse. That would be my advice. Stop looking at CVs. Stop looking at trying to use your training money and get training courses in. Can you see your first step? And that's the only step to take right now. Yeah, That would be the three. Amazing. I love all three tips. Yeah. Yeah, they make so many mistakes because as soon as they sign off, Right. I need help with my CV. Who can help me? No, you don't even know who you are. How can you write a CV? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, you know, this is something that I see
0: a lot with the consultants, right, at XML recruitment. They talk a lot with different candidates and some of them are trying to figure it out. I think one of the questions probably that comes back the most in a way is about how do I communicate? my value right so this is maybe after that they have already figured out who they are they see their strengths but they are not sure how do I communicate that strength how do I communicate that I am the man for the job and this is this is me this is who I am independently from that career that I've got you know at my back Yeah. again what is your tip for somebody or how was it for you to communicate that strength right what is it that makes you so strong and the
1: right employee for somebody else. Yes. Well, for me personally, I couldn't communicate that strength. I didn't have CTP. I didn't take up CTP when I left. I had no idea who I was. I Mm. had, and I thought, military intelligence? Who's going to want me? What can I do? There's no intelligence jobs that I've been doing outside. Yeah. I wasn't aware of transferable skills. I -hmm. didn't even know what they were. But I knew... I, I suppose, instilled confidence in myself because yes. as I started to do all of these temping jobs in the social work, I quickly mm-hmm. realised I can learn these things dead quick and, and become quite good. Yeah. I can master these really quickly. Mm-hmm. So that started to build confidence in me. So that's for me. But from others, um, how can they build confidence? Well, Well, first of all, they need to know where that value is needed. Mm-hmm. So once they've, they understand themselves, there's two ways. The main way is LinkedIn. LinkedIn, there's no better platform for branding. And everyone leaving the military has to have a brand. They have to, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's just the way the world of work is right now. You yeah, have absolutely. to have that brand. And 85% of employers will immediately go to LinkedIn to find you yeah. and see what you're all about. You know, but in the old days, five years ago. The employers had to wait on the references coming in from a referee. They don't have to do that anymore. They get your CV, they're straight onto LinkedIn, they're looking at your activity, they're seeing what kind of posts you like and comment on, they're seeing what kind of posts you create. They're getting a real feel for you as a person out with the formality of the CV. So, how do they communicate? Well, they communicate professionally, but they need to be on LinkedIn. They need to be starting to post on there. They need to be starting to build up their network, but not just build that network up. They need to engage with that network. Absolutely. So liking and commenting on the network's post. And they'll very quickly, there's somebody on LinkedIn right now, he won't mind me saying, Julius Davidson. He's got seven years left. Mm-hmm. This guy has got one of the strongest brands on LinkedIn and he's still serving because he tells personal stories. Like we had one today about he took his kids to the museum at the weekend and his network love it. So it is about showing that other side of yourself and communicating your value. For example, if it was me this week, I would be looking for something that I've done really well in the workplace and, you know, confidentiality maintained I Mm -hmm. would be putting a post out on LinkedIn but it would showcase me and the part that I played in the success of that project or whatever that would be one kind of post another one I would put is if if someone had given me good feedback this week at work I would be putting that on a post as a quote and then my third post for that week would be a helpful tip to share with my audience Mm -hmm. with my network So there's three things you can do. And as far as communicating your value, before you get to interview, you have to know what that value is. You have to know what that employer's problems are. And that's all a job advert is, is problems. And how you have solved similar problems in the past, there's your value. Because you know, and also, when you do research on that employer, as well as just looking at the job advert, Get on their YouTube channel, watch their last three videos. What are they talking about? Where's that company heading? Get Are they on Instagram or TikTok? If they are, what kind of demographic are they trying to attract yeah. and why? There's added value you can bring. Get on Glassdoor, see what reviews, see what yeah. previous employees have been saying. All of this intelligence is where you add real value and you bring that into your cover letter.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the cover letter is eventually one of the places where you can communicate all that great value in a way that is also very relevant to the job that
1: you're applying for, right? Absolutely. Yeah, because every there's no one CV or resume should ever go to more than one employer. Yeah. It's a bespoke CV, a targeted CV for everyone. And it's the exact same with the cover letter, because if you were going into retail, what Asda wants? will be different from what Marks and Spencer wants. There will be a lot of similarities, but it's those yeah. tiny differences that's going to speak to the employer's heart. Yeah. When your cover letter, which is your master sales, your CVs, your sales document, when those two arrive, that master sales has to grab them in the heart. It's I call it your hook. What's your yeah. hook? Because I would say to someone, well, why this job? Why this employer? I don't know. There's just something about it. no what is that something because you need to tell them and yeah be able
0: to articulate what it is that you like about these guys what you've seen what you've spotted and also I don't know if this is something that I mean I'm not expert in uh, career consultancy whatsoever but I know my experience when before I started my business when I was looking for a job my mindset around it was always this is not a one-way thing I am no. there to also see if they are the right match for me. I always say it's like, a, you know, when you go on a date or a relationship in the beginning, right? You want to know, are they right for you as well? So I always stepped into that room for an interview by having that confidence of saying, I'm not here at their, at their like mercy or because they got all the questions. That are, I got questions for them. I want to be able to see, are they the right people for me? And that helped me a lot as well in my confidence when I went in, I mean, again, I don't know if this is any relevant. I'm not an expert, but that's at least what I did to, you know, boost up myself a little bit, but also to be able to communicate my own value, right? Because then knowing, understanding what kind of people they were, allowed me to say, well, I fit in with this because one, two, three,
1: this is why I'm right. Yeah, and you're speaking to the heart when you do that. No, hundred percent, Rosie, um, absolutely right. Some people are quite old-fashioned and they're thinking they're getting old-fashioned advice and and they go in and they ask questions that they think the employer wants them to ask. Also, they think they're going to show ambition by saying, oh, so what opportunities are there for development? No, it's just not all about you. It's about you really working out and finding out at that interview whether this employer is right for you yeah. And whether this role is right for you, you can only find so much from research and from a job description, but actually asking them, oh, would well, you mind me asking, what's kept a notice on your LinkedIn that you've been here now for five years? What's kept you here for five years? Yeah. You ask them that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, what I would be say, doing. I would yeah. be wanting to know, or can you walk me through how senior management demonstrates the company values every day which are integrity honesty whatever it is you've found out about them I would want to know what they say on their website is one thing but do they actually live those values and they would be important to me that they do so that would be a question I would ask I have about six questions but it, it was it's things that I would really want to know in order for me to feel fulfilled and happy in the role yeah, absolutely. That's so important.
0: Um we're approaching the end of this episode yeah. but before we wrap up everything, I just want to ask one last question about sure. networking, right? Because you you talked about the importance of engaging and of course we talked about the online space, the LinkedIn yes. and all of that. Yes. But I know that and I know this again just because I see it every day with x recruitment, but I heard I hear it over and over from candidates who do struggle a little bit to just get out there, do the networking bit, talk to people, expand the network beyond a little bit, that veteran community as well. So what would you say to them? How could they go on about networking?
1: First of all, no one can network until they believe In themselves and the value they offer because otherwise they're just going to go in there and they're not going to know what to do and they're going to be like rabbit in the headlights yeah so understanding that's why I think I always go back to it's stage one of the job search is who am I under that job title I mean who are you Rosie under that marketing director title Rosie has her own unique qualities as do they So who are they? And they miss that bit. They always skip it and they go straight to step three or four. That's why so many military people change jobs in the first six to 12 months because they haven't done that groundwork. So what can they do? They can go to, there's lots of careers fairs up and down the country. Almost every week, there's careers fairs. Go to ones that are non-military. Try those as well because, yes, CTP run them. Yes, uh, BFRS run them. Yes, uh, you know the Forces Transition Group, John Stevenson runs the online ones. There's lots of them, but move away from the military as well and start building your network outside of military people. Yeah. And you know, filter companies, find veterans that are working there that have been out a number of years, ask them for an informational interview, you know, 15, 20 minutes of their time and ask them to walk you through a day in the life of yeah. because Lots of them go to project management, but they really have little to no understanding. Yeah. Well, right now it's very hot,
0: I think in the in the old market, like work market is all about project management. <laughs> it's a trend. it's a trend that that's how it is, but
1: yeah, I understand that. Cool. yeah, so that's that's what I would say to them. get yeah. you just have to do it. It's when I deliver the LinkedIn, there's something I tell them all, get comfortable with being uncomfortable because this is an uncomfortable process for you but the more you do it the more comfortable you become the more confident so there's no one piece of advice well there is get out there and do it
0: I love that thank you so much Trish so get comfortable with being uncomfortable and first of all get to know who you are identify Who are you underneath the uniform, the ranks, the job that you've been doing for such a long time? Understand that and then move forward from it.
1: Get out there and can you see your first step?
0: Take it. Amazing. Thank you so much for being with me. I really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.
1: Thank you. Take care. Bye, Rosie. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And hey,
0: remember to subscribe to our podcast never miss any new releases and to share it with other veterans within your community. If you want to connect with the XMIL team, please visit our website, wwwex or you can just connect with us on our LinkedIn page. Thank you so much and see you next time.